Like a deer in the headlights or gum in your hair, what got you here will not get you there. Join us as business owners get unstuck in real time on the business building struggles we all share. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast. And here's your host, Esty Rand. Welcome to episode 81 of the Business Breakthrough Podcast. I have with me today, Chris Wallace. Welcome to the show. Hi, Esty. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited, guys. Chris has got super value for you, as always. What would you expect? Anything different. So let me tell you a little bit about him. Chris is the president and co-founder of Interview Group. It's his third business and his most fun one yet. After he sold his sales consulting coaching business, Insight Sales, which I'm excited to hear about, and he built the company called Growth Play, his partners and he had a chance to walk away and start from scratch. And so the current company is the culmination of everything they've learned over the years and mistakes they've made that we will definitely get to hear a little more about and learn from that wisdom as well. His passion is helping companies take the ideas and strategies that come from the corporate tower and come to life through frontline employees and ultimately their customers. Because as you all know, most people don't lack good ideas, just the vision to coordinate all their resources in a way that they can be executed. And Chris and his team help make sure that those ideas don't get wasted and they can activate their brands internally. He's also an author and a teacher, been published in outlets from Harvard Business Review, Marketing Insider, Total Retail, CML.com, and a whole bunch more. And he worked as an adjunct professor at Temple's Fox School of Business in their MBA program. So really, really excited to speak to you. And he's guys, he's worked with recognizable brands from like PGA Tour to E! Entertainment to Comcast. So like been around the block, have you, Chris? I've been around the block a little bit, yes. <laughs> so before we dive in, I want to hear kind of this journey. I'd love to hear just a little bit more about what it means to build a company after learning from all your mistakes from previous companies. Because I think a lot of people you know, when we start our first business and I'm, I'm also on my, I don't even know what business entity at this point. Um, it's all fresh. It's all from scratch. And so many people say, you know, if I could build it over again, I do this. And it sounds like you guys got to do exactly that. What are some of just the key things that you did so differently this time than previous because of what you learned? Um, that's, that's a loaded question. Um, I would say that the, uh, the biggest thing is we always said if, if we had it to do over again, we would take more time on the upfront to really think about what the vision is for the business and um, not be in such a rush to bring it to market that what we brought to market wasn't in good shape. And we did that this time around. So being very intentional about what we wanted the company to be and, and drawing on our previous experiences to make sure that we weren't like you said, doing the same things over and over again, um, that was really key. And that was probably a, a probably a, a 60 to 90 day process that we never had the first time around. We really took that time and said, what's the foundation on which we want to build? I like that a lot. And that is so key. It sounds like you're working with partners, obviously. And mm -hmm. are these the same partners you've done all your other businesses with? Is it like a group of you? Um, so what, so there, there's three co-founders that I have. Um, one, one of them is uh, somebody that I've been with in, in all each iteration of the businesses. Uh, the other happens to be my brother and somebody that I've been partnered with for a very long time. Right. So, even, even longer. <laughs> even longer. So people that I had a, a long track record with, but um, primarily from a business perspective, uh, my, um, 
my core partner that's been with me through all three businesses. Her name is Diana Finley. And um, she's been with me uh, through, through a couple different turns now. And some, some, for some reason, sticks with me. <laughs> Very cool. So what does this business do? Have they all done? Okay, I should really backtrack. But I really want to know, what does the current business do? And then I want to backtrack. <laughs> so what does it do? Well, why, why don't I give you the common thread? Okay. okay. There, there, yeah. There's common DNA amongst amongst all all the companies that we've worked with. Um, it, it's just you know positioning and, and, and refinement really is what it is. Um, the the common thread is you said it earlier. Organizations have great ideas. They have great products. Um, they don't lack for the great ideas or great products. Um, execution is where they win or lose. Right. And as a as a friend of ours who's a professor at Harvard Business School would tell anybody, the average corporate initiative reaches somewhere between 60 and 70% of its target objective. And typically that's measured in revenue. So we look at that and say, uh, it's really not an issue of strategy. It's an issue of execution. And the core of everything we've ever done is working with frontline employees to make sure that whatever their company strategy is, whether it's from product launches to brand positioning, whatever they're bringing to market, helping make sure that those frontline people know what role they play and understand what part they have in that vision um, so they can execute. That's, that's the core of what we do now. And that's been a common thread through, through all, all the businesses we've been a part of. Got it. I like that. So it sounds like you work much more in the corporate space. We work with large, primarily with large consumer focused companies, but yeah, so we, we are, you know, we jokingly say we're the glue between the, the corporate tower and, and, and the people out you know, on the front lines and the showrooms and the call center floors, those types of places, we're sort of the glue that holds those two together. I love that. And I'm excited because you know that I'm much more in like the small business, micro business space. So I'm excited to kind of take all these things from the corporate space and see how we apply them for the micro businesses. It's not that much different, to be honest with you. you it's know, really not. We're doing a lot, of, a lot of the same things for our own business that we're doing for our clients and the same principles apply. Totally. The principles apply. The execution is always different. That's what I say. Right. So as long as you understand the core principles, you can apply them every which way, because you're not going to operate a call center of 500 the same way you will manage two people taking calls. That's right. <laughs> but the principles of success will be the same. Okay. So now, now let's backtrack. How did you even get into this? Um, I, so I, I'm, I'm what I like to call an accidental entrepreneur. Okay. Um, I, I never thought that um, I never thought that I would be an entrepreneur. I never thought I would be a business owner. Um, I, I took the corporate track. I said I'm going to be the climb the corporate ladder, get my MBA, you know, continue to go through that track. And, and a lot of people do that and say, well, I definitely want to go start my own business. Mine sort of happened by accident. I was uh, part of an organization that was going through a, a corporate merger, and I was going to have to be relocated to a place that um, I wasn't wasn't keen to move to. And um, ended up leaving that organization and taking a contract, uh, a, a six-month contract in a role that was, was a little bit of a flyer, so to speak. I wasn't sure what to make of it, but um, that ended up being a situation where that contract turned into, whoa, what you're doing is really helpful and we need more of it. And rather than having that be shopped around to other providers, I asked for the opportunity to start you know, basically to start my own firm and, and, and bring them additional people to help. Very cool. Okay. I love it. So, and one second, when you asked how to start your own firm, you started it under someone else's umbrella. 
No. So, so it was, it was my, I had, basically I, I had a client, I was a, I was a contractor. And okay. So you got like a, a contractor type position in the corporate space that correct. when you were looking for a job, meaning you meant to be employed and they're like, yeah, so we'll 1099 you. That's correct. That's exactly okay. right. And, and the work that I was doing was very unique and um, helping, helping a large organization bring new products and services to market, but not doing it externally. I wasn't marketing strategy. I was, how do you take the marketing strategy and make sure that what goes on the billboard and goes in the ads, make sure that that's actually what they hear in the call center when they call in. So doing that alignment was what I was doing and really a one man band doing it on my own. And after shopping it around to a bunch of larger consulting firms, they looked at it and they said, these folks really don't know what life is like in the trenches and you do. So why don't you tackle this? So it really became a situation where it was a proof of concept for lack of a better phrase. And the proof was there. So I had the opportunity to build out a practice around it and then started to sell to other clients and things like that. Got it. Very interesting. Okay. So I'm going to backtrack even more. What were you doing as an employee that got you set up to do this as a contractor? Something completely different. Um, okay. So, um, I was, I was in the entertainment business. So I did, um, I sold, uh, cable television properties, including you mentioned E, uh, golf channel, which is now a, now an NBC sports property, um, style network, um, PBS kids sprout, which is, is now uh, NBC universal kids. Um, you can probably pick up where the merger was. Uh, the company I was working for Comcast acquired NBC universal and their entertainment properties uh, merged under the NBCU, uh, parent. Got it. And so when you say properties, you're selling ad space. Like what is it that you're selling? Uh, distribution. So, um, okay. what's, what's called affiliate sales. So, um, you're in Los Angeles, correct? Yeah. So um, out in Los Angeles, you, you have the option to get Spectrum, which is- Correct, which and is, Spectrum took over Time Warner Cable out here. That's, that's correct. Four years ago. So, uh, so Charter, Charter Corporation is- Which is the parents uh, of Spectrum. Charter Communications it, uh, uh, is, Spectrum's their brand, but Charter's the company. They acquired uh, Time Warner Cable, but I would sell to Charter and Time Warner. So um, there were places around the country where- maybe golf channel wasn't on a prime level of, of distribution or um, uh, what is now NBC universal kids. That was, you know, they didn't carry it at the time. My job was to sell the network and have them put it on uh, a, a good slot in their cable lineup. So people watching it, so people have a chance to watch it. That is so, I never even knew that that was a thing. I, this is what I love don't. about this. Yeah. I never knew that was a thing. So when people get cable television, what they see depending on where they subscribe, depends on guys like you getting it to their parent providers. That's correct. So it, think of it, it, it's a wholesaler relationship. The, the difference is rather than wholesaling widgets or, or something tangible, you're yeah. wholesaling- um, Cable uh, TV channels. Cable TV channels, <laughs> content. So cool. That is such good prep work for you to run your own business and sell your own services. Well, one thing I can tell you that was really interesting about it is the, and really the, the, the connection point between that work and, um, and really how I got started in, in, in being an entrepreneur was the work that we did in the cable television space. When, when one of our clients would take on a new network, we would go in and we would work with their call center staff to help them understand what makes this network so great? How can you talk to your customers? So when they call to sign up and they, you find out that they have kids, you can say, 
we have universal kids on our cable lineup. Your kids are going to love it. How do we help them position that, that network? So when I got, when I, when I took the 1099 uh, opportunity, my job was to take these new products and services and replicate what I was doing for the cable networks and call centers. That is really, really fascinating. So when you sold it, you also sold how they'll position it, but you, you weren't there to make sure that they implemented it and that it happened. Um, not necessarily. Uh, we are much more now. The work we do now, we're, we're definitely more. It's exactly that. It's getting kind of the full. Yeah, it was more. It was more work. Cool. Just generally training. We would go in and we would do these call center trainings and we would do some ongoing support, but somewhat limited. It would be great channel. Here's how you talk about it. Here's some pizza. We'll see you later. <laughs> Pizza's big at call centers. Food is a Pizza's... big thing at call centers. Oh, you're serious about the pizza? Like you legit sent them pizza? Always. You don't go to a call center without food. If you want, if you want to get people to pay attention, you don't go to the call center without food or gifts of some kind. Super value. This is a right, guys, all of you listening, you've already gotten all your time's worth. Okay. I want to say money's worth, but you don't pay for this. You should, you don't. Um, that, that is really, really cool. I'm going to definitely keep that in mind. Um, okay. So you're working for the company, they merge, you get 1099s and you're like, Hey, this is kind of fun. I can do this. That's right. But you going from an employee to an entrepreneur is a super different world. So from that first business entity, did you team up with Diana? Um, How did so that happen? How did, again, partnerships are such a hot topic for so many people. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. So essentially the, the way that that worked was um, it had gotten to the point where, um, so I, I basically, from the 1099, my 1099 was about to expire. Or my, my contract was about to expire. And we looked at it and they said, we still want the help. We see a couple other places that we could expand it to. And they were shopping around to other consulting firms. And I said, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, this is boots on the ground stuff. This is, this is working with hourly employees. You don't need a bunch of MBAs coming in and, uh, and, and trying to tell somebody in a call center how to do their job. It's not going to work that way. So you need right. somebody who can be really authentic. And essentially, I said, I think I can put together a team that can take this model that, that we've put together and, and, and implement it. And I, I you know, was fortunate enough to have the opportunity to do that. And as I added some, some people to my team, um, I got to the point where I couldn't, I couldn't manage the volume. I couldn't manage the expense reports and the invoicing, and it just got to be too much. Um, Diana was a colleague of mine from, uh, from when I worked in the entertainment business. Um, she, had, she had left. She had just uh, had a, a year maternity leave and wanted to get back in the workforce. And I said, I'm desperate for help. And she said, I'm desperate to get out of the house. And we, um, that's, that's when we partnered up. That's, and how many years ago is that now? That was uh, uh, early 2013. So I, went, I think it was like February 13. So it's almost wow, seven years. And now we're, yeah, that's really amazing. I mean, you know, for, for every horrible story, no, for every three horrible stories, there's one good story, probably maybe even four to one. Um, but that sounds like, you know, one of those serendipitous moments of like, you didn't really research her, but it sounds like you also didn't, I think what, what sounds so good about it as it was a mutual need that fed a mutual goal, as opposed to so often partnerships and, and the ones that I see, you know, with my clients, so many disastrous um, situations is when one person is really looking to serve themselves through getting a partner. 
And that partner's looking to serve themselves. And it sounds like here, you're like, I need help. She's like, I'd love to give help. I need to get out. You're like, great, you get out, you can help me. And you're both like, great, we both win. And, and that's such a great way to start. It, it, serendipitous is a great way to think about it. It's been, um, I will say that being an entrepreneur, it does have a lot of ups and downs and, and it can be lonely, right? It can, it, if you're doing it alone, it can be lonely, but that's one thing I've never felt lonely the entire time because I have a partner there that's going through it with me. And there's been some ups and downs. There always are. There, there's no way you do always this. are. So g- give us one of the ups and one of the downs. Uh, one of the ups. Um, like what was a great moment? Uh, so a, a great moment was um, we had lost a um, we had lost a significant piece of business. Uh, that's not the great moment. Uh, I'm building up to the great moment. We had lost a significant piece of business, and it forced and more us details. To, you don't tell me everything, that? but like <clears throat> more details. What was significant about it? Like what was it? Um, we um, we had been working with with a client, and <clears throat> the client decided that they were going to take. We had actually done an extremely good job for them, and they decided that they wanted the role that we were performing for them as a third party to be internal. So they basically, they, uh-huh. they, they brought the team in house and that, that happens when you're in consulting, that stuff happens. Um, but um, so we lost a piece of business and um, we really wanted to, um, uh, we, 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 it forced us to look at the, look at the business and be, you know, think really critically about it, but it, it created an opportunity where um, by losing that piece of business, we found ourselves in a spot where we ended up pitching um, another um, equally large piece of business. And the, the day that you get that phone call where you had a, 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 I'm a I, like, I like poker, you know, and one of the phrases they use in poker is a bad beat. When you have a bad beat and then you have the opportunity to have that come full circle and somebody calls you and says, green light, book your flights, this is a go. Um, I'll never forget where I was in that moment. I'll never forget what I did in that moment. So it's sort of that, that, um, that reclamation from, from losing a big one to catching a big one. Um, that was, uh, that was a really special moment. That's one of, that's one of the, the, the true highs. That's awesome. Where would you, what'd you do? <laughs> uh, was hanging. We were, we, uh, we were in a, sh- uh, we, we uh, were in a shared workspace. We, we sat in an, uh, like a startup incubator in the city of Philadelphia. And I, um, I started banging on the desk. I got, I got I the it. call. I hung it up and I started banging on the desk and, um, and, and started high-fiving you know, th- those, when you're a small business and you get those wins, I mean, this was a big, I mean, it was a big win. Um, you, you don't forget those. That, that was oh, for sure. Um, for to know, sure. To, to know the pain of a, ba- of losing a big one and then to, and, and to be able to, to get back, back in the game. Um, and we, our business continued and things like that, but it was, um, you know, we trade, we, we, there was a trade off there, but it was nice to get, get back in the game. It was relatively quickly. Um, after That's we amazing. Game, so I totally relate. I remember my first five-figure contract that I ever closed. Um, I remember even pitching it was like, I just, it was such a complex contract and I do micro businesses, right? So yeah, most yeah. of our contracts are in that, those days it was like three and four figures was like, what guys, for all of you, right? Thousand dollars is four figures, 10,000 is five, hundred thousand is six, million is seven, right? So um, most of my contracts that, that was, but this was like, you know, a much bigger organization. And I just, I went through the scope and I was like, this is a five-figure contract. The 15K contract was the biggest I'd ever pitched, going back a good five years. Um, and I still remember where I was when I got it. Also, I was in my car and I got the call, like, it's a go. And I was like, oh my gosh, that actually happened. I just closed a five-figure contract. That actually happened. It was, it was really cool. It's, so so a, couple, a couple of interesting points about it. For me, the thing that's best about that and the reason it's so memorable for me is 
Um, my team is so important to me. Um, building a team, hiring a team, I, I, that's what I do this for. I live for it. I live to offer another person a job. I live to add people you know, to our team and to call our team and to tell them that we got this and that we were going to need more people and that we were going to be ramping back up again. Um, that, that was really exciting. The other thing was the, the project actually, and it was a major nationwide project. It actually kicked off in my hometown. Of all, and I don't live in my hometown. I don't live where I'm from. And of all places, this project actually kicked off in my hometown, which was really neat. So my whole team got to go where I, see where I was from, you know, took them, showed them where I went to college. So it, the, the whole thing really was um, very fortunate. That is so cool. And, it, you know, one of the, the mantras that I like to live by is this or something better. You know, so when you lose something, it's so hard. It's so painful. The deal that doesn't go through it before I closed that five-year contract, I'd been pitching a few in those days. And, you know, this one didn't, that one didn't. And it's this or something better, right? So like you lost that one and the other one was way better. And I think so many people get stuck when they do have a loss. It's like, oh, life's over now. No, it was that or something better is coming. Yep. Absolutely. I agree with you. Love it. So that's the high. What's a low? Um, so, so that was, that was with our, our, our first business and that was in site sales. And, um, we, we merged in site sales with, um, with a firm out of Chicago called growth play. And, um, we, um, we're, we're not the first entrepreneurs to, to, uh, uh, sell or, or merge your company with somebody else. And, um, you know, sometimes it doesn't work. And um, the moment that, that Diana and I looked at each other and realized it was not going to be a long-term place for us. Um, it's, 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 it was sobering and disappointing, right? To the, the, you know, so much hope and potential and things like that. And, you know, business is business and things happen. And, you know, we, we, we still remain in touch with a lot of our former colleagues from there and things like that, but it was not, um, it wasn't going to work. And we decided, you know, rather than, rather than, you know, see it play out in a way that wasn't going to be good for us, we, um, we decided that we were going to go, go a different direction. But that moment that you realize it's not going to work and, and you have to kind of put your tail between your legs, that, that's hard. Totally. So what, tell me a little more about this merger. Because again, like your partnership, super serendipitous, sounds like the merger less so. What was the reasoning to do it? And I think so many entrepreneurs, again, I get calls all the time. SG, should I engage in this partnership? SG, should I combine this? SG, should I bring in this person? You know, what was the frame that you looked at that made you say, yeah, we should do this before you realized it wasn't going to be good? Um, I think that the, um, I'm going to go back to what I said about my team being the thing that's most important to me. We looked at it as an opportunity to create, you know, create more, um, more career development, more upside and more opportunities for our team. Uh, Were they bigger just bigger players? Yeah, it was a bigger organization. It, it, it was a, 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 a bigger company and, you know, we, we had a chance to plug into something that had some more, um, uh, some more scale to it. And we felt like that was going to create oppor more opportunities for our team. And um, it, you know, in some cases, there, there, there were some avenues where it was starting to create some more opportunities for our team. But um, it just wasn't, uh, it just wasn't for, for myself and, and my partner, Diana, it just wasn't going to be going in the direction that we want, wanted. And you know, it, I, I, if you can't, like, I totally understand, but could you elaborate why was it more of like a conflict in vision, conflict in values? Like, what was it that you noticed that you were like, you know what, this looked like such a great idea on the outside, all shiny and pretty. And on the inside, this isn't for us. Was it that there were things you just didn't know about the company, things you didn't realize in terms of the non-shared values? Like what, 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 what broke? Culture. Culture. 
I'm that's that that I, I would say that's as much as that's as much as I you know I I'd feel comfortable sharing. But understood, also, just different culture. So when you yeah. left, did you take your team, or you they stayed, and you guys had to leave? Um. So uh. So we we left. Um. Our our team stayed, and um. There was a period through which um. Uh. They. Uh. They they stayed on. They you know they 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 essentially worked out the contracts that were in place. Let's put it that way. Okay. And is there something you think you could have done again for anyone else who's considering this due diligence that you just didn't know to do, or is it like you couldn't have known until you were there? I I I I really think it's I think it's the latter. I, it's it's you you do the sometimes you do the right thing for the right reason and you're wrong. I mean I I just I mean. And, and wrong is a relative term. Wrong, wrong is in the eye of, of the person doing the analysis. And in this case, it, you know, it just, it just wasn't um, right thing, right reason, right time, and just not a great result. It happens. It happens. And that's one of those things where you can go back and you can do a lot of, you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda. But it's just one of those things where with the information we had, we would, you know, we, we still talk about it. We would have done it again. I hear that. What do they say? Fail fast, fail fabulously, fail often move on something like that <laughs> you learn part you of the journey learn. absolutely yeah. just part of the journey okay so I, I will i will try to put that bear anymore hey guys thank you so much for listening to part one of this episode stay tuned for part two going live thursday and of course subscribe you do not want to miss this